0: Well, church, as you are having a seat, uh, would you grab your Bibles and open up to Galatians? Thrilled that you were here with us. Uh, first of all, happy Mother's Day. Moms out there. Uh I know how much you love and you serve and you pour out and you give and you are often not thanked and it's exhausting and it's uh, oftentimes feels like it's never-ending and it's Groundhog Day and you're like, I feel like I just did this. The laundry never ends, the piles never end, the cleanup never ends, and all the things seemingly never end. We love you and we thank you for pressing in and serving uh, and doing all that you do, oftentimes unthanked um, and oftentimes unseen. The Lord sees you and the Lord knows. Um, And so as a uh, Mother's Day gift, uh, after service, we got a devotional. It's called 40 Days of Hope by Paul David Tripp. And so we wanted to give that to you. If you are a mom in here, you can pick that up. It's just gonna be at a table out there. Carrie's gonna be out there at the table. Uh, Or even if you um, desire to be a mother and the Lord just has not granted that to you yet, we want you to take this too and find your hope and your trust in Jesus and all that he gives to you and all that he is for you. Um, We know that can be painful and I know that can be a long road. And so we want moms and those that desire to be moms Uh, to anchor their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, why don't you pick that up on your way out? It's our gift to you. Uh, This morning. Well, we have been journeying through the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatian churches, and it's really Paul writing this letter to a collective of churches, if you will, or a collection of churches most likely meeting in homes throughout this region called Galatia. And so uh, some false belief has crept into these churches, and we've been really walking through just about every verse in this book for the last... Five months this marks. And so we started in January, and uh, we are coming to the home stretch. We are in the final chapter and the final few um, verses, and the Apostle Paul is bringing everything to a focal point. He's sort of bringing everything into focus for us. And so uh, we are going to um, jump in to some of these final verses. In Paul's letter, I'm going to start by reading Galatians 5.25, which I believe is um, the crux of all that Paul is going to talk about in all of chapter 6. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read 5.25, and then I'm going to read our verses, uh, 6, 3 through 10. Here's God's word. Galatians 5.25, If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that verse informs these verses here that we're in this morning in our passage. Galatians 6, 3 through 10. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Happy Mother's Day. Right? That's happy. (laughs) Thanks, Lord, for giving us this one. He goes on. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with one. the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's a pretty blunt collection of verses there, right? Very blunt. It's like, It's like moms growing up that don't sugarcoat anything for us, right? Maybe students over here, you can relate to this. It's like you're about to leave, go to school, or go play, and mom's like, you're not wearing that, are you? And you're like, "Uh, yeah, I was. They're like, no, you're not. You need a change. That doesn't match. You got one long sock, one short sock, Uh, the the color coordination. It's just like, it's just telling it like it is. It was like, uh, Ashley, uh, my mother did that to me growing up. Ashley still does that. You're not wearing that out, are you? I thought I was until uh, right now. And then I've learned just to quit fighting. I'm like, I'm changing, you're right. Um, And she always is. And so Paul is very blunt. He's just like getting to the point. And uh, here at Risen Church, we love the blunt parts of the Bible. We love that God doesn't sugarcoat things for us. We love that God doesn't hold back, right? We love that uh, the Bible for us is the very opposite of American Idol auditions. I know that's not on anymore, but any remember those American Idol auditions? Those are the best part of it. Three people will understand this analogy. Okay, good. These These are the best parts of them. Why? Because there are people that believe that they have a gift that God has given to them, and they're ready to showcase it for the world, and they're going to be the next superstar, global superpower vocalist that the world has ever seen. And they get up there, And much to their dismay, they cannot sing. And it's this train wreck of horrible singing meets the judges having to tell them they can't. Some of them, they can't accept that as reality. The Bible is not that for us. The Bible is just telling us like it is. And we love that. The Bible is showing us what reality is, who we are, how God is to be honored and glorified and lifted up, how we're to live in the kingdom, where our sin and failure is, and where that meets with the very grace of God. God doesn't put us in these American idol-like situations. He just tells us, because he's a good father. And the word of God gives this to us. There's a point in the book series, The Chronicles of Narnia, uh, where the children are like, they're imprisoned in this underground prison and the wicked white witch who makes it always winter and never Christmas. You remember this? Remember the wicked white witch? Always, always winter, and never Christmas. She's got the children trapped underground and then she takes some magic potion and she throws it into this fire and the room that the children are in fills with this fog and this smoke and it's all around them and the witch starts in on them. And she starts saying things like this. There is no Aslan. He is not coming back for you. All that is real is just down here. There's no reality up above. And in the fog and in the confusion and in the midst of all this, the children start believing these lies. They start believing all that the wicked witch begins to tell them. Aslan's not real. Aslan's the hero. He's the conqueror. He's the victor. This is just our reality. There's nothing beyond this. There's nothing outside of this. And they start to believe. And then, in one brave moment, Puddlegum, the marsh wiggle. Anyone familiar with Puddlegum, the marsh wiggle? It's funny to say, I know. Yes, you can laugh. does a very brave thing. Puddlegum gets a sense of clarity and takes his big webbed green foot and stamps out the fire. And then the smoke clears and they begin to reconnect with reality. They begin to reconnect with the ideas that Aslan is real. We know his words are true. We know he will not leave us here. We know he will not leave us alone. We know he's coming back for us. The book of Galatians is puddle gum for us. The Bible is... Puddle gum sent down from above to give us clarity that we so desperately need in a world of fog and mist and confusion. That's what the scriptures are for us. And it reconnects us and it grounds us with that which is true Um, so that we can see God and his glory. We can see who we are in the kingdom. And it connects us and lifts the fog off of all of our false belief. And we can cling to the realities of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Bible does for us. And that's why we look at it so deeply, week in and week out. Because it's oxygen for us. It's clarity for us. So the book of Galatians, if you're new with us, makes two amazing claims that we see clearly. One, the first claim is that we can connect with Jesus today. We can connect with him. And two, today we can also display Jesus. So Galatians is telling us that we can connect with the real Jesus. And then also as Paul goes on, we can now display the real Jesus to each other and to the world around us. But here's the thing about the book of Galatians that's been so remarkable. We connect with him in a very surprising, shocking way. We don't connect with God, we don't connect with the Lord Jesus Christ by bringing to the table all the good things that we've done. Um, We connect with God, we connect to the Lord Jesus Christ by bringing all of our failure and all of our need, all of our sin, all of our rebellion, all of the places that we've misstepped, all of the places that we are deeply, deeply embarrassed and shame-filled about. And when we bring those to him in truth and in confession and we bring our empty hands of faith, God, I've got nothing to give to you. I've got tremendous failure and tremendous need. We receive the work that he completed for us at the cross that he died the penalty that we deserved. He didn't stay dead, he conquered death, rose again and lives victoriously now at the right hand of the throne of God and grants to those who believe and trust in his finished work all that is deserving of him, he gives to us now. We bring failure, he gives us fullness. It's an amazing exchange. That's why the gospel is such wonderful news. That is what the whole book of Galatians, chapters 1 through 4, is all about. It's doctrine. It's gospel doctrine, justification by faith alone. Paul rings that bell. You can't bring anything. You can't bring good works. You can't bring this. You can't add to the gospel in this way. It's Jesus alone, and you come to him with faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. He gives you all that he is and gives you glory, salvation, life, and hope. That's, ch- that's chapters 1 through 4. And then he goes on. After having received Jesus, we display him now in even a surprising way. So we might think, oh, wonderful, he saved us. Now we have to just try really hard to reflect all that he is to the world. And so I'm just going to pick myself up by the bootstraps. I'm going to be the very best Christian that I can be, and I'm going to do it. And Paul says, no, you can't do it. Uh, You just, you can't succeed that way. You will fall and you will fail. The way we display the Lord Jesus Christ in Galatians chapters five through six is all by the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives to us. This is incredible. (laughs) He gives us a new family he gives us faith he gives us freedom and then he actually gives us the very spirit of God that allows us to keep in step with the very purposes of God here on earth so that other people can see what God is like because he knows they could never do it on their own because they always get it wrong that's the story of the Bible we always get it wrong God has to write that which is wrong and we worship him for it that's why we gather and sing that's why we sing, he's so great. He keeps getting better. He is how glorious, how marvelous, uh, the goodness of God. That's just like, it should fill our hearts and overflow in thanksgiving. So Galatians chapters five through six are all about culture. So the very beginning is doctrine. So we stand on the firm foundation of the finished work of Jesus. And then he is concluding this book all and living by the spirit and says, this is what it should feel like to be a believer. So if you've maybe not been at church in a long time or maybe you've kind of given up on the church, uh, read Galatians and you can get a sense for how God's people should love, care, serve, and lay down for one another for the glory of God. It's a beautiful thing. And I think if you read it, you're like, I want to be part of that. And it's it's not like a major thing. It's simply just saying yes to Jesus moment by moment by moment. The old hymn says it like this Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and your way. Yes, Lord, yes, I will listen and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be Yes, Lord, yes. We just, we display Jesus by saying yes to him moment by moment by moment. And here's why this matters. Here's why this matters for us today. Um, You may be here and you may be thinking, you know, I came to church and I think the American church needs a wake-up call and I'm here to show everyone what it means to be a true Christian and to really do this and I'm gonna change the way everyone thinks about the church and Jesus and all the things. If that's what you think, you've come to the wrong church. Come to the wrong church. If you came to church this morning thinking, I'm part of the problem, I just am full of need, I'm full of sin, I have suffering, I don't get it right, I misstep, and I am just in desperate, desperate need of the grace of God, then you've come to the right place. Because I can't change what anyone thinks. I've tried. I can't. I can't barely change what I think. I've tried. Only the grace of God, only the very spirit of God, making inroads into our heart, melting our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh can change us, can shape us, can make enemies friends. Um, And that's what Galatians 6, 3 through 5 is all about. Paul's saying, Don't deceive yourself, but rather test yourself. Paul's saying, if you put your confidence in your own work and your ability to get things done and to make it happen, he's gonna say, if that's how you think the Christian life is, then you have to bear that burden yourself. He just came off saying, we as believers bear one another's burdens, and the burden of Jesus is light, and together we can lock arms and make all that is hard in life, be lighter because we're restores and we're for each other. And then Paul's saying on the flip side, if you just think I don't need anyone's help, I'm gonna do this on my own and I've got this and I'm gonna grit out my spirituality through um, showing everyone how awesome I am and how I'm gonna get it done and I'm gonna make it happen. He says, you will just have to bear the weight of that on your own and the Lord is just gonna let you carry that until it crushes you. He says, don't be deceived. You cannot carry it. You you cannot bear that burden. But rather, put your confidence in the spirit of God. And when you do, you'll begin to thrive in Christian community. You'll begin to lock arms with people who you can trust that you know are for you and love you and care for you and support you. You can admit your failings. You can admit your faults because Jesus has come in and made the broken things whole again. It made the places you stumbled and fall fell. Uh, brothers and sisters picked you up and you can praise God because of it. So like Michael talked about last week, don't suffer silently and go at it on your own power. That's so many Christians today. I don't need to tell anyone. I got it. Paul says, don't deceive yourself. You can't. You can't. Has come to Christ and his family and together you'll thrive by the very spirit of God. Um, so it's, it's not taking my efforts and I have to make myself better. It's God, here are all of my failings and my burdens and yet through Christ and his church, I can live and not be crushed by it all because I know you've placed me in community by the Spirit of God, and it's gonna give me buoyancy to bear these burdens that feel so heavy on my own. We're We're not to bear them alone. Paul is essentially saying in verses three through five, if we trust in ourselves, we will fail. But when we trust in the Spirit inside of us, we will thrive together. And so the rest of our section today, verses six through 10, brings the whole book of Galatians into a focal point, if you will. And it's basically saying, here's how we make Jesus more present in the world today. We're gonna look at three ways and then we'll be done. Verse six, support the word of God. Verses seven through eight, sow the spirit of God. And verses nine through 10, spread all the good you can. Those are three things, okay? So, verse six, support the word. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches, Galatians 6 6. So, Paul is saying, Hey, a church, uh, a church who is gathered, uh, is in step with the Spirit when they support the work of the ministry financially with their gifts and resources. Though, so let the one who taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So, Paul. Paul is essentially. I know it's kind of awkward. I'm glad, mercifully, there's just one verse here, so I don't have to spend a whole sermon talking about this. But Paul's saying, if you are in step with the Spirit of God, a church, uh, let the, or rather, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Um, so let me be very clear. Uh, our church, I love our church. Y'all are gracious. Y'all are generous. Y'all take very good care of Ashley and I, of our staff, of our uh, workers that care for our children. Y'all are incredible. Thank you. Um, I do not take it for granted. I count it a privilege and joy to get to open up and teach God's word to you uh, and that you would trust us as a staff to get to do that. So uh, thank you, and it is a joy to get to serve in this capacity in the church. We're so grateful. But there's a few things, let's just make note of here because we're we're crossing paths here. First, you see the words, let the one, let the one who has taught the word. It doesn't say let the church. Uh, As a corporate entity, right? Though all of uh, salaries and things funnel through the church, rightly so, through accountability and checks and balances that we have and we all have uh, and that we've set up here at our church, Uh, I think it's interesting. In this passage, God is speaking to each one of us personally. He's saying, let the one who has taught the word. He's saying that spirit-aligned people, people that are keeping in step with the spirit, don't think like this. Oh, the church will take care of that. It's not just this kind of, nebulous entity and it's there's not a personal responsibility. Yeah, we're really glad our church takes care of the ministers of the gospel and the mission of God going forth. forth. Uh, the church will take care of that. Uh, Paul's saying, this is a personal thing. It's a personal conviction that, that as you're in step with the spirit of God, God should change your heart and mind about earthly resources that you have, that you don't have to hold on to them tightly, but you would long to see them make impact and inroads for the kingdom of God, specifically here with those that preach and teach the Bible. Um, it's an idea of we will share in this responsibility. Memory is coming right off of bearing one another's burdens which takes us to the second thing the word share stands out let the one who is taught the word share paul uses this word for partnership it's like linking arms together in a shared purpose so it's not like about a payment it doesn't say let the one who is taught pay it's share it's um, it's it's not like uh, it's it's not I give this, you give that. It's a sharing of all that God is doing so that the gospel can continue to bear fruit and go forth. If it were just like, he does this, you pay that, that would be kind of gross and transactional. That's not how God operates in his kingdom. It's relational. It is personal. It's togetherness. It's a closeness. That's why ministry is a calling, not a job. Um, That's why it's a calling, not a job. Third, Um, The word's all good things. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things. So a church that's keeping in step with the Spirit, when calling a pastor or thinking about pastors or thinking about staff or thinking about those that would come in and serve the gospel of the Lord Jesus and preach and teach and shepherd, um, the mentality is not where do we get the best bargain. I do not take that mentality when we're thinking about our church staff and those that serve in this church. Um, it's not, where do we get the best bargain? Where do we get our best bang? Who will, who will just say yes? Uh, if that were the case, uh, it would be a lot easier to fill spots and get it done. But it's, how, how, can, we, how can we make sure that uh, we're sharing all the good things so that people feel loved and supported and have a buoyancy even on staff here at our church. In fact, our elders at the very end of service are going to be talking real practically about how they've been thinking through that uh, in terms of our church and our staff, uh, real practically. So you can look forward to a practical outworking of that very verse right there. Second, second thing that Paul talks about here: so um, that the ministry of the word of God would go forth; that we would be a church in, in step of the Spirit that would be supporting it. Secondly, that we would sow the Spirit. Here we go: verses seven and eight. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. All right, let's not misunderstand. God's not saying, uh, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. That's, That's not what's happening here. Right? We cannot obligate God to do anything. That's not what's going on here. Uh, That we can't coerce the spirits to move in our way if we just simply do this, then this. So, what is he saying? The opening words do not be deceived, Paul's saying. That's the point. Paul's not talking about getting payback out of God, he's talking about getting the lies out of our heads. Don't be deceived, church. Don't buy into some of this stuff. Let's not deceive ourselves. I mean, who hasn't said this to God at some point in our lives or in our existence? God, will you stop being God for a little bit for just a moment because I've got all these things I really want to do and if you weren't there, I could get to them a lot faster. I could get these done a lot quicker without God standing in my way. God's pleading with us here. He's saying, Take note of what works, what lasts, what is good, what is right, and what is true, and what explodes in your face every time. And he says, don't be deceived. Don't easily fall into that trap that we so easily fall into where we try to circumvent God. There's no way to be healthy on junk food. There's no way home on the wrong road. It just doesn't work. We've tried. Many of us still do. Um, The implications here of the original text is stop being deceived. Stop being deceived. Connect the dots. He's saying, and he's making the point, is your life bearing the fruit that you want it to bear? Is it bearing the fruit that you desire, meaning, is your life is the fruit? Is the taste of your life, is the things that you're doing, produces a flavor and a taste to everyone around you? Is it producing what you hope for? Is it what you want? Um, he's saying, "Don't be deceived. Let's sow into the good things the things that are good, that are right, and that are true. So he's saying, what do we need to see and accept as reality? Um, We need to see that what we sow, we also reap. In other words, he's getting us to understand our lives in a profound way, that my life is like a field. Uh, I'm the farmer working this field. I know this analogy breaks down, but I think there's Paul wants us to see it. He writes these things in here. Uh, And whatever kind of seed I sow, I will also reap. So God the Father wants us to pay attention to this. I don't know if anyone's a gardener. I don't know if you've grown anything or if you're into that. I like vegetable gardening. I'm kind of a hobby vegetable gardener. I have my salsa garden with tomatoes and different things. We have lettuce. The kids like going out there and picking it. But we start from seed. First of all, the soil has got to be right. You got to put the garden bed, if you're doing raised beds, in the right spot because it's got to have the right amount of sun. And you put a seed in the ground, uh, you don't wake up the next morning and you get a harvest of fruit or food. It just takes a really long time. And it takes a tremendous amount of watering. It takes a tremendous amount of protecting and making sure that the birds don't get to it, that the this doesn't get to it, that the soil can, remains right, that it's not too much Right? It's a long process, in other words. And God, in his word, is giving us this analogy so that we would understand that sowing and reaping is this lifelong thing. It's a whole life out ahead of us. Um, And he's saying, prepare now in your life for a better future, for what you want in your life down the road. It takes work now. Before you'll ever see good fruit down the road. So he's saying sowing in the flesh cannot work; it will fail. And he's saying under that's that's kind of obvious. It's like self-indulgence, um, thinking, "Oh, if I just want this bad enough, I'll circumvent, I'll do it." He says, "If you always try to get around God to get what you want, it's just going to fail. It's guaranteed to to fail." It leads to corruption, and it leads to a wasted life, essentially. Read Proverbs. And there's no mystery about that in the Bible. God is saying, "Um, if you want wonderful things in your life, sow the Spirit right now. Sow those very things into the soil of your life. And you can do that starting right now in this very moment. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done in the past, but right now, what does it mean to sow in the spirit? It means trusting God with all of it. Pushing all your chips in on God's square Uh, to the unseen. Where we can't control everything where we have to trust God for his wonderful promises, even when we don't know how it's gonna come to fruition, but we cling to his promises, we cling to what he asks for us, and we sow the truth of the word of God, the gospel of grace, and trusting in God over and over and over again in the very little things of our lives, and God will make tremendous long-term impact as we live. So what is sowing in in the spirit? Real practically, it just is studying our Bible, real simple things, reading our Bible, beginning a pattern where we open up God's word and we let his word inform our hearts. It's grabbing one of these little devotionals that's filled with scriptures. And if maybe you don't know how to do that or you've never done that, grab one of these and just start letting God's word um, inform your heart and your mind. And over time, God will begin to bear fruit in your life that's good. It's praying to God, talking to him. It's living in honest biblical community. It's faithfully showing up to church and gathering with the believers in Christ and worshiping together so that our voices can be lifted up to remind ourselves of that which is good and true and right and glorious. And it just takes time. It's little things. It's not extraordinary things. It's faithfulness in little things that lead to an extraordinary life. Not big decisions now that putter out uh, two weeks later. We've all had those. Sow the seeds of the Holy Spirit in your life, and even our unspectacular lives can become s- mega meaningful in the kingdom of God. So Paul's saying, don't be deceived. Don't sow the seeds of the flesh. It will only lead to corruption. Don't quit. Um, Last thing, spread all the good you can. Verses 9 and 10. Let us not grow, grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially those who are of the household of faith. Um. In this world, doing good is hard. It is. Um, we get tired. Sometimes we feel like giving up. Sometimes I feel like giving up. What's the point, right? I don't know if anyone's been there. Maybe yesterday, maybe right now, maybe last week. You're like, ah, it's just like, I feel like I'm rolling a boulder uphill every single day. It's just like, it's just hard. Um But Paul's saying, is hardship a reason to quit? No. Is weariness a reason to complain? No. Or is tiring ourselves out, doing that which is good from God's word, just an absolute privilege? Yeah. That's what the Bible's telling us. See, we're gonna get tired doing something. All of us. All of us choose what we are going to be exhausted doing. I think that's human nature. uh, We all pour ourselves into something and we exhaust ourselves with something. Everyone in here, Paul's saying, exhaust yourselves on the good things. Exhaust yourselves on things that are forever and lasting and are important and will produce the fruit of the kingdom of God, not meaningless things, not vain things, not things that lead to corruption. He said, do not grow tired and weary of doing good, of making Jesus more present and more felt in this world today through us clinging to him and through the fruits of the spirit being birthed in our lives. For example, raising children moms for gospel impact for this generation and the next. I cannot think of a more pure form of doing good. It takes sacrifice. It takes love. It takes dedication. It takes showing up. It takes bringing them to a gospel church. It takes serving in our church nurseries back there, in our classrooms, teaching the gospel to the little ones. It takes all the little daily things and and course corrections and love and support and nurturing of a child that is unseen and unthanked and often overlooked. It is a mega commitment that lasts decades. Do not grow weary doing good. It is so worth it. But aim yourself at the right places. Do not be deceived. There's so many things that want to take all of your time and all of your efforts and pull them over here and take your focus and the next generation's focus off the gospel, off the good things, and on to other things. Paul's saying it's a privilege. Let's wear ourselves out with the good things. Don't grow weary of the privilege of doing good. Well, some some someone here may be saying, (coughs) you know, I would, if I had the opportunity, I would work at doing good. Well, it's like he has an answer for that. Verse 10, as we have opportunity... It's. I mean, that could be translated, as you have a pulse. We li- I mean, we live in such a broken, crazy, fallen world. It's like, if you cannot view an opportunity to press into that which is good for the kingdom impact, please come grab me. I will put you to work, like right now, right? Okay? There's tremendous need and brokenness in our world. And God needs his people to be pouring into that which is good. I wonder if some of us have bought into the prosperity gospel more than we like to admit. And we like to think this. Well, if I disbelieve Jesus and I'm a good person, then my life should be easy. Things should just go well for me. Where does the Bible say that? Jesus says things like, take up your cross and follow me. There's sacrifice. Um, If you believe that Jesus is here to make your good life just a little bit better, that is one of the most shallow forms of Christianity I could ever imagine. And it will just be an opt-in, opt-out, whenever you choose, faith. And it won't really do anything in your heart and it won't produce fruit that is really lasting and good. Paul says, don't be deceived. But if we're going to follow Jesus, then let's repent of our self-pity. Let's cheerfully accept that doing good in this world is going to wear us out, but by the power of the very Holy Spirit inside of us, um, we can do it. We can do it together. How glorious is that? And we do it all for his glory. The gospel is the only eternal truth in all this world. Jesus died to forgive sin. His spirit now, Paul says, is moving in power in this world right now. Would you get in step with the spirit and be a people of God and a church that leans into the good things? Right now, this is our one opportunity. Right now, this life. This is an unrepeatable opportunity that we have, this one life we have. To do the good and to help more people meet the risen Lord Jesus Christ and find hope and joy in the midst of failings and sin and he can take all that is broken and make it whole and one day it will be eternally worth it when we see him face to face. So church, let us not grow weary in doing good. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that we as a people would not miss this most sacred opportunity, this life that we have in front of us. God, may way we sow into the soil of our lives that which is good and true and the fruit of the spirit then over time would begin to grow and our lives, would have the aroma and the flavor of Christ to those around us. God, I pray for any in here right now that are so weary. Lord, would you in your presence be near to them right now? God, would you by your spirit um, encourage and speak truth? Lord, may this church lock arms with those that are worn out because they are not meant to bear the burden alone. God, help us not grow weary Of doing good. Help us not be deceived by placing all of our time and effort on the things that will not last, but help us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That even hard things can ultimately produce lasting, tremendous, eternal joy. May we be a people that are rooted and grounded in that reality. Help us now in Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship church.